a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. Well, it's not very often you get to turn the tables. <laughs> we got our good friend Tim Hughes, of course, uh, co-host of Utah's Morning News in here with us because he had a unique opportunity, uh, one that doesn't come to very many, and that is to sit down and uh, have a chat with a former <laughs> chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And uh, Tim, you got to sit down with uh, General Martin Dempsey. Uh, tell us a little bit about why he was here and, and how you made that connection. Well, first of all, I don't have many inside sources. You're, you're like the closest <laughs> thing I've got. Uh, but you, in your life, you get these opportunities from time to time. I don't. So uh, on the outdoor show, the KSL Outdoors, which will air tomorrow morning and every Saturday, 6 to 8, we have been in uh, close contact and, and work with, because we love them, the National Ability Center up yeah. in Park City. And they do great programs, great, you know, adaptive sports things. And the, 30% of the people that walk through their door are military mm. that have come back from war and had, you know, their amputees or yeah. have uh, even some PTSD they need to work through. And just getting them out to do river running mm. yeah. or get them back on a bike that they thought they would never ride yeah. or get them on a mountain to ski, it, it's inspiring. Mm. And every year they do a uh, saluting our heroes luncheon, which we always try and go to, uh, Russ Smith and I. And we uh, are really uh, propped up by the stories that are told there. And there's always a keynote speaker. So we had uh, Caitlin on from uh, the NAC a couple of weeks ago. And she told us about who their uh, keynote speaker was. And I said, wow, if I could get 10 minutes with the general, (laughs) that would be amazing. She says, I think I can arrange that because he's my dad. Oh, <laughs> so, so those are the best inside sources. <laughs> yeah. So we took the opportunity oh, and went up there, and we had him. For, we had him for about fifteen minutes before he actually gave his keynote. Uh, uh, which there are some benefits and some drawbacks from that because yeah. I would have loved to have you know picked his brain about some of the things he had to say at the keynote. Yeah. But uh, we sat down at the beginning of our conversation and just talked about. The, the need for the sense of belonging. Now, he mm. always comes at it from the military standpoint. Right, right. That's what he knows in his life. Yeah. Uh, but he applied it also to what's going on in our society today mm. with younger people and social, we put yeah. in air quotes, social media that tends to isolate. Here's just one of his thoughts. One of the things I learned about by being in combat is that the way young men and women can make it through that environment. I mean, literally make it through. Whether they get, a sh- get they get shot at or not, just making it through the pressure of being in harm's way requires you to feel a sense of belonging. That's actually what makes us tick. We in the military develop what I think is probably the, the most finely developed sense of belonging in any endeavor, any human endeavor. We, we, we have to develop that. And then... When you think about it, when men and women separate from the service, they kind of immediately lose that sense of belonging. And then if they're if they're injured or, you know, whether it's a a visible wound or an invisible wound, um, they they added to that sense of of loss of belonging is a sense of isolation. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids 
doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Wow. Wow and wow. Uh, That finely tuned sense of belonging mm-hmm. uh that these our military men and women feel and uh and we do too i think that's a human being thing we do have this finely uh tuned sense of belonging and uh sounds like the general was getting at the fact that a lot of what's happening in our society is unraveling that yeah and and even the things we call social media are further isolating mm particularly our young people. And uh, sadly, a lot of those kids are even, they don't have a sense of belonging within their own family, Boyd, and Mm. that's sad. So what do they end up doing? They reach out to gangs. They reach out to, and they get on social media, and they get into some places on social media they don't need to be just to find that sense of belonging. So so that was one of the great conversations I had with him. Uh. The the other one that he shared during his keynote speech uh, was about leadership, and I instantly went to you because you talk a lot about leadership. Yesterday, you were talking about a lack of leadership and what it means to be a leader. So here's a man that uh, graduated West Point in 1974, came out of West Point thinking he was, you know, riding high, knew it all, and he was (laughs) going to go be the next great leader. Turned out he was at some point of his career. (laughs) But he gets uh, one of his first assignments is to go over to Germany, and he is heading up a patrol of other soldiers along one side on the German side, and the Russians are on the other side. Mm. And And there was a... He had great soldiers that served underneath him, and he had a group of four or five that he knew were never going to make it, and he was just waiting, quite frankly, to wash them out of the military. Mm. So they were off playing basketball, and one of his uh, patrol officers or or, uh, soldiers comes to him and says, "Um, Sir, there is a Catholic nun at the gate, and she wants to come in. So he goes over to the gate, and he said, in my best German, he asked her, why are you here? What are you looking for? And he said, in her best Milwaukee English, <laughs> she said, she said, I would like to come in and pray with your soldiers. Mm-hmm. And he said, I did what every good Catholic, uh, Irish Catholic young man would do. I lied to her, <laughs> and, and I told her that I was in the middle of a military training, and we just didn't have time to do it. Uh, because he was a little embarrassed about the five guys that were playing basketball and were mm-hmm. would not be a good example of his leadership. Yeah. So he asked her if she could come back at another time and figured that would be it. He goes back a little, I don't know if it's the same day or next day or something, <laughs> she's back at the gate. Uh-huh. So he goes back over and he can't come up with another excuse this time. So he says, you can come in and share some time with my soldiers, pray with them. Uh, but it's up to them. I can't make them do it, um, yeah. but you're welcome to. And he says, I asked her to follow me and walk to the uh, basketball court where they were playing. And he says she took off running. <laughs> and these five guys, these soldiers that he had such a hard time connecting with, when he turned back around, all were bowed, bowed their heads, mm. and were praying with the nun. Wow. 
So she needs a ride back to uh, the convent. And he says, I will call you a vehicle. And she said, no, I want you to drive me. Wow. And so the Jeep comes and he says, this isn't a Wrangler. (laughs) This is a Jeep. And he says, I get in one side. She gets in the other and she's in full habit. And as they're driving through... The habit is waving in the winds, and <laughs> and uh, along the way, she strikes up a conversation with him, and she says, you didn't want me to talk to your or pray with your soldiers, did you? And he said, honestly, no. Mm. And she said, why? He says, well, they aren't the best example of our soldiers. Yeah. Uh, and she said, but they're your soldiers. Mm. Boom. And he paused, <laughs> and uh, he knew that she had just nailed him on it. He goes back and decides that he needs to gain the trust of these soldiers. So he takes off, you know, his half his gear, whatever he was wearing, and gets out on the basketball court with him. Long story short, he wasn't able to save them all. He said, I wish I could tell you that. I wasn't able to save them all. But uh, I I did save a few. And that if you're going to be a leader, you must have trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's everything. That that is uh, that is extraordinary leadership uh, at its finest. Uh, just real quick, because I know there's uh, one more thing I want to get to. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the his challenge coin. Most military guys uh, have a challenge coin. Uh, something on the back of his. Uh, any anything that says Chairman of the Joint Chiefs on the front. Yeah. <laughs> is powerful. Yeah. What does it say on the back? Three words. Make it matter. And here's where it comes from. When he was on one of his first uh, deployments and he was in charge and they were taking casualties, one of his jobs was, of course, to either write letters or to actually talk to the families in some cases. And he didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. He said, I I don't know what inspiration I could give them because, quite frankly, I'm not dealing with it myself uh, very well. And he had a sleepless night one night and he woke Mm -hmm. up and those three words came to him, make it matter. Mm -hmm. And that has been his mantra since that time. When you could go to someone and you could apply this to just about any moment in your life, anybody you know in your life, if you've had a success, if you've had a failure, if you've had a setback, turn to your son or daughter, turn to your neighbor, turn to a a kid that looks up to you at at church and say, make it matter. Make it matter. It means it's going to mean something to different people. It's going to inspire you in different ways. But make whatever happened in your life matter. Yeah. Oh, such great stuff, especially on a Friday. You can listen to Tim's full uh, interview tomorrow on the uh, Outdoors show. Uh, make sure you tune in here to KSL to listen to that. But just those principles alone, that sense of belonging, that ability to build trust, make them yours, and then make it matter. Tim Hughes, always appreciate you coming in. Thank you. All right. Uh, we'll step aside for bottom of the hour news. Much more inside sources. That is lessons for the day right there. Think about that. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.